0: hello and welcome to episode 46 of the physique development podcast so this one is all about post show for competitors and this is a part four adding on to episode 33 as part one episode 44 which was part two episode 45 which is part three which was just the last episode if you want to go back and listen to that and then this one episode 46 all about post show for competitors so I'm going to just hand it right off to Sue and we'll we'll dive right in
1: yeah so like austin said this is the fourth part and within that the first three parts if you didn't listen the first episode is really going over just things we think you should know blanket (laughs) uh, about being a first-time competitor there's so much great information in it and we really appreciate your guys's feedback i've gotten a lot of dms just saying either i'm a first-time competitor this is so much information that i'm able to take forward or a lot from competitors who have competed saying hey this is great information this covers everything everything. I definitely want to be able to use this either as a checklist or to send to people that are first-time competitors or people who have competed in the past and haven't competed in a while that said, hey, I'd love to come back to these podcast episodes because it was so much great information. So the last episode was all about peak week and show day and things that you should keep in mind. And so we wanted to be able to go into post-show a little bit to talk about that um, and dive into what that looks like. Because post-show is a very very fragile and vulnerable time for the competitor, as well as for your physique and your body. It's something where you've just done something to the extreme for X amount of time, and it's very hard to get thrust into normal daily life of, hey, I don't have this end show date. I don't have this bikini I have to get in or these board shorts or whatever your outfit is for stage. I don't have this to get into anymore. Um, So it's very easy to kind of fall just back back into daily life. Um, And Alex had just made a post saying, you've just gone through so much of Groundhog Day and now you have all of this flexibility. What do you do with it? And it's very hard to know what to do with it. So what would you say, Alex, are the first things that you tell competitors post show just right off the bat of things they need to keep in mind or advice that you give them?
2: Yeah. the, The main thing that I really drive home is the aspect of creating a new schedule because like, Sue just said, you've been following essentially the same schedule. There's going to be some variance in the quantity of um, cardio that you're doing, those different factors. But for the most part, you've done the same thing for probably at minimum four months, five months, six months, even some of the longer preps, maybe seven. It's tough to come out of that. And so you want to find yourself in a situation where you're creating this new norm for yourself, where you have the nutritional allocations set up for yourself because what's going to happen is that let's say that your coach and yourself have decided to try to minimize body fat uh, accumulation and you're taking an approach that's more methodical within the reverse diet that's going to be very difficult like as much as and and, and how beautiful it is that you can minimize body fat and get your uh cycle back in those different factors that's the most difficult process and so understanding that you've got to be very rigid to a degree within your planning is going to be very important. So game planning and, and having organization is going to be uh, the biggest thing. And so like the meal prepping, all those things don't stop when prep is over. It continues like this is you're still in prep, especially that first eight weeks post-show painfully important with men and women, but most like even more so for for women specifically within hormonal function and, and just regaining energy levels and i mean there's so much that goes into it but
1: yeah and i would say that that tip that you just gave was going to be something i said is don't look at prep being over on show day that is a huge mistake that you can make moving forward of thinking the work is done the prep is over where yes a big portion of the work is done but like alex said those eight weeks i basically in my head make it that prep goes eight more weeks longer after the show date that i have to keep that same structure that same routine yes i can have a little bit more flexibility yes cardio is likely coming down yes food is likely going up but i have to have the same prep mentality for those six to eight weeks for hormonal function and for my mental health to be in the best spot because if you just kind of go balls to the wall you eat like an asshole everything was over on show day I promise first, the next time you prep, it's going to be difficult. Um, Your improvement season is going to be difficult. And once you, if you do rapidly gain weight post-show, you can't slash shouldn't. I I guess you can technically. You shouldn't go back into a deficit to negate the fat gain that you just had. And then, again, you can put your hormones in a very vulnerable spot. So really looking at that prep continuing for six to eight weeks is going to be one of the greatest things you can do to prepare yourself for post-show.
0: I think food environment's huge there as well. Not having a bunch of stuff around. I think, you know, that's obviously, so food environment while you're in prep is massive, right? While you're in a dieting phase, when you're leading into a show, like you don't want a bunch of stuff lying around that's within, you know, out of sight, out of mind is always the best sort of philosophy. And then honestly, was, if you're in prep, it's completely out of the house, right? It's not even there. You don't even need the temptation for it. Um, and I think, especially with a lot of first-time competitors, the most, and I think this has become more and more and more popularized, but it's, it's, you know, that gift of a treat. It's the pan of brownies. It's the giant bag. That's the size of a nine-year-old of Reese's Pieces. Like you don't need that stuff at your house, especially within eyes view uh, where you can just or in a bowl where you can just grab a handful, grab a handful, like trust me as someone after their first prep that gained like 30 pounds in two days, I'm telling you, you don't want to do it. So my later preps, I definitely did not do that. And I felt a world, world better. So um, food environment's huge. I just wanted to mention that and prepare yourself for that because this that goes along with what Sue and Alex been talking about. And, and to that point, this is
2: something that we bring up within our lifestyle clients too. Is that you want to create friction to the location of the food, which is essentially what Austin is speaking to. Is that you want the uh, the Reese's and those things to have a challenge to get to you don't want them just to be sitting on your cabinet to where you can or your your table that where you can just grab a handful and those different factors like create friction to those things to make it a little bit more challenging um is is helpful for sure
1: yeah and sam hobbs who i know is an active listener uh, will love that i'm telling this story but she was at our house visiting and i went to go grab like some dove chocolate. And I had them just in a bag that I could open a cabinet and just grab them. And I was like, oh, I love that they're individually wrapped because I can just grab and go. She was like, absolutely not. I only eat chocolate chips as my snack and I leave it in the chocolate chip bag. So it's so inconvenient to unroll, like reach my hand in, clip it back. I have to use both hands. I have to be conscientious about it. Um, And that is the perfect example of kind of adding that friction. Um, And on that same vein, before we dive into more um, of what that looks like, the weeks following a show is directly post show not having a million treats for yourself. It's something that Alex our Austin kind of alluded to it, but people want to bring you snacks or you might be loading up. We make it very clear to competitors, do not load your freezer with post show sn- snacks. Don't order a ton of these gourmet cookies and have them all sitting there and then have all these other things that you want to eat. Pick one thing, have that move on. It's the same concept as free meals. The food is always going to be there. And if you gorge yourself, then that is going to not only perpetuate a negative relationship with food, but it's also going to perpetuate a slippery slope when it comes to the post-show environment, that food environment as a whole. So, diving into more about what it looks like those weeks following, what are some things to focus on, um, or, or more so, what are some things that dieting causes to your physique or to your body that you need to be aware of as you reverse?
2: So, following the the show, you're going to have a downregulated um, metabolic capacity, so that's going to be something that you're working to get back to a. Um, a, a maintenance that would be regulatory with the body fat levels and those different factors. Um, also your immune function is going to be uh, in a decreased state or a, uh, under functioning state. I don't know what the word is that I'm looking for there. Um, you're also going to find yourself in a, a position where digestion could be in a position that is not fantastic. So think about it in the sense of, of your your gut is going to be expanding and shrinking depending on the volume of food that you're consuming. Thus, with the uh, very significant deficit that you are eating in, you're going to find yourself in a position where that gut is in a very shrunken down state. Thus, the, the bloating and the, the distension and the Discomfort that some of these individuals are having the night of the show, where they haven't had a ton of uh, potential fluids or you know food that day, and then they're overconsuming, and then they have this you know crazy distension that they're experiencing. So those are the main things that I would I would drive home as a as a whole uh, that we have to be cognizant of and um, working towards improving as the the post show goes.
1: Yeah. And Something else that I find is so important to realize is that um, hunger isn't an accurate measure post-show either. Oftentimes, when it comes to a reverse, you'll start to feel that you are a lot more hungry. That's going to be multi-pronged. One part of that is within prep, you've probably adapted a mentality of this is exactly the food I have to eat. That's all I get period. And so when it comes to dieting, I find it's a lot easier because I've already mentally decided and made this designation that this is exactly what I get to eat and I can't Uh, eat more. So there's no reason to perpetuate that hunger further. And so that's something that is really helpful for me within dieting. But then when it comes to the reverse, you're in this spot of, oh, I'm training more. I have more food in place. You might feel, oh, my metabolism is on fire. I should eat more food because I'm more hungry. I shouldn't be hungry because I wasn't hungry on less food. So I shouldn't be hungry now. If I am hungry, that means my metabolism's on fire and I need to eat more food. Hunger is not an accurate judgment call here, or an accurate measurement um, here, because you're still adapting your hunger hormones, your leptin and your ghrelin have changed throughout dieting, your hormones as a whole have down regulated throughout dieting. And then all of the things that Alex said as well. So do not use your hunger again in these six to eight weeks as a measurement of what you should do moving forward. Now, of course, you should vocalize to your coach if you are having extreme hunger, or anything like that. But it is something that you shouldn't just eat towards your hunger in that post-show time because you think my metabolism's on fire. I need to eat more. Uh, So within this, uh, post-show obviously is very hard mentally. What are some core things that you think are good for people to focus on to be able to shift into a better mentality moving into that post-show time?
2: Yeah, the, The other thing that I would add to the components that you're going to experience is the decrease in overall cortisol levels. The, the cortisol component is going to be coming down from a very elevated state in the the prep itself you're still going to be in an elevated state in general but with that massive decrease you are going to experience higher hunger signaling you're going to to feel better but a lot of the um the hunger signaling itself is going to feel stronger now the the other question that you had asked what was that
1: uh, what metrics are great ones to focus on as you're coming out of the show? So something like recovery or your strength, what are some other ones to right. be able to focus on?
2: I mean, those are going to be the main things. You want to have a massive emphasis within your training as well as your recovery. So you're probably going to come out of the prep with some minor injuries, potentially just some some nagging things from the uh, high levels of cardio the uh, resistance training and the the lower caloric intake component of things, you're probably going to come out with maybe some elbow tenderness or maybe some knee or hip or or something along those lines. We want to get those on the mend and and having some emphasis on that. Um, The training quality as a whole, seeing upregulation and strength, as well as the recovery of um, being able to have less soreness as you get into the later stages of prep itself, you are going to be experiencing some higher levels of soreness as a whole. So we do want to see that obviously dissipate, um, as you get into the, the reverse diet, um, quality of sleep getting into other things of, of modes of activity uh, that are going to get you into a parasympathetic or, or restful state. So one thing that we really recommend within clients that are coming out of their show is that uh, getting into yoga, restorative yoga specifically, yin yoga is going to be very helpful on that front. Getting outdoors, uh, taking your dog on, on potentially you know, more walks, those different things are going to be helpful for you. Um, those would be the things that I would you know encourage a post show like that
1: yeah and remembering that you're still having low energy and low energy availability um it's something that just because more food is in place just because there's less cardio in place you are still in a very like fragile spot as far as your physique and your body isn't going to recover from those Eight, 10, 12, 16, 20, 24 weeks of dieting in that one or two weeks. Even if you do feel a lot better because, again, you have less hunger, less cortisol, maybe because you have more food in place, your sleep is better. But it's also something that, if we look at something like your TDEE, which is your total daily expenditure or energy expenditure, it's really returning back to that level after weight is gained, not just calories increased. And so, oftentimes, people also look at the number of calories that they're at or the macros that they're at, and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm first so lean and eating this amount of food and X, Y, and Z, but you could still be in an energy deficit. And so it's something to really prioritize that recovery, really prioritize your health and your body, and being able to recognize that food over time, sleep over time, recovery over time in this aspect is going to be exactly what you need. And that's why we say those eight weeks following it are going to be so astronomically important um so within this i think it's really important to talk about how to deal with gaining weight when you are post-show so i'm going to throw it over to austin especially talking on your experience of gaining 30 pounds in two (laughs) days which is quite an experience to have to kind of talk through that (laughs) talk through that and just how you dealt with it and then what that looked like for other preps as well
0: yeah and um to kind of attach just one point onto what we were just talking about with with food and and returning back to normal and folks on recovery, when it comes to training as well, that should sort of be ramped up alongside of nutrition as well, right? So nutrition is going to start to come up, stress is going to start to come down a little bit, cardio may be pulled back, but you should not come out of your show day and just the next week of training just obliterate yourself, right? That's not what you should do either. Um, Although you may be motivated to do so, it's important that you stay structured in your approach to training alongside what you're doing nutritionally and cardio-wise and all of, the, all of those things. Um, so weight gain, um, uh, it, it's a beast. And it's very easy to, to fall into the, the framework of, oh my God, it's over. Here we go, let's send it. And it's really dangerous. And it's one of those things where I didn't necessarily have, you know, I had a lot of things in my corner when I first started competing. I had a lot of people there. There was a lot of people that taught me a lot, but this post show weight gain was sort of just at the time, this accepted thing that no one really told me about. And everyone just kind of force fed me like all of these treats, like we were saying earlier, which is why I brought up that point of food environment because I I had everything at my house you know that that next two, three, four weeks after my show, I got home, you know, you're in this different headspace, you're like, okay, it's over. I can relax a little bit, which there is some truth to that, but I had all of that food around, all of the junk food, all of these treats that were so calorically dense, you know, a handful was a matter of five hundred calories. and it's like, that's extremely dangerous. So if you're taking two to three handfuls a day, it's you can see how that really starts to add up. And so, you know, before you know it, you feel like crap, Um, you dig yourself into this giant hole that then forces you to make some really tough decisions that you otherwise don't have to make if you came off of prep in a more structured and thoughtful way, right? And It may sound a bit daunting to continue with prep, you know, theoretically within your mind and kind of within your, your meal structure and your, your commitment to this, but I can promise you that coming from someone who's gained the 30 pounds in two days post-show to someone who, you know, at my last show, you know, I had, you know, I think I, all I wanted when I came off stage was a salad. I like, I either when you get I think as you mature too as a competitor and just I think as a person but especially as a competitor you realize like yes okay the food's always going to be there I can have whatever I want whenever if I you know within a reasonable framework obviously but all I wanted after that show my last show was a very very lush salad with lots of greens and water That's like all that I wanted, you know, and I remember after my, you know, and then after I won my pro card, it was, I think I had, we ended up taking a small road trip after that. And I remember just getting in the car. I had a quest bar, a bottle of water and like a really small pack of almonds. And like, that was my post-show like meal, you know, because we were like, and I fell asleep, you know, and I woke up the next morning, honestly, probably how I should have peaked the day before anyways um, and I looked insane and but what I what I wanted to just kind of clarify with that point was like I woke up and I felt so good I felt I felt on top of the world as far as like okay I did I just accomplished that I just did that but I also I woke up feeling great and I woke up feeling sort of on top of the world of like I know what I'm doing here, and I know how to feel really, really good day to day, week to week, month to month, post show. And I can promise you whatever urges you have, whatever you're thinking, whatever sort of dysfunctional outlook you've sort of created on these things or food or whatever, if you stick to this structure, if you listen to your coach, if you go about these next two, four, six, eight weeks with that structure and responsible rigidity that opens you up to so much more freedom down the road right and that is something that i just wanted to stress with that because you think it's the other way around but i promise you the more you come into this with a serious outlook on it and and the more you're kind of communicative with your coach and how this process is going to go the better you're going to feel throughout and as you're food goes up, as your training intensity goes up, as cardio maybe comes down, you're just going to feel so much better than you are if you don't pay attention to these things. Yeah. Just from experience.
1: And I love that term responsible rigidity. And something I really want to push forward is even though competing is not the epitome of health. And let me repeat that competing is not the epitome of health. It is an extreme and it, it leans very unhealthy towards the end. It doesn't mean we have to take health out of the equation just because it's not the epitome of health health is still in the equation. You still need to think about your relationship with food, which goes into your mental health big time. You need to think about your mental health, your physical health, your health as a whole. And it's something that I can say personally, reversing from three different seasons and doing so very successfully, I will toot my own horn on that, that it has only helped me to focus on how I feel and focus on my health instead of focusing on the reward in that instantaneous moment or feeling like i have to fit a mold or i have to eat a certain amount or anything like that um so i do want to also throw it over to alex as far as your personal post-show experience in regards to gaining weight and reversing and what that looked like for you or if you want to talk about a client
2: yeah my uh personal post-show experiences i haven't had like all of my time competing um I was fortunate in the sense that my caloric expenditure was very high, you know, following the show and within all the shows outside of my last one where I was coaching extensively um, as much as I am now, if, you know, uh, close, yeah. um, that was the only time that I was in like a, a, a seated position as much. And the last one, I guess, was the most challenging as a whole, um, but in that nature, I also had you to help. And so I have a, a very much so a luxury in the fact that you prepare, uh, 96% of my <laughs> food. Um, but within clients specifically, we can, we can kind of delve in there. I think that, um, everyone is going to be different on this. The being vocal with your coach is, is going to be immensely important. I've had everyone's reverse diet is very different. I can give you three the of the most recent competitors that were all different. Um, one of the most recent clients she ended up taking two weeks off of training following uh the show uh just for the sheer fact of her body was very very stressed we pushed very hard towards the end and that's what her body truly needed of we focused on restorative yoga we focused on outdoor walks we focused on nutrient-dense foods uh, and she didn't get in the gym for two weeks and it was the best thing possible for her uh, specifically now could I do that with every single client? Absolutely not. No, (laughs) No, that would not work for, um, a plethora of the other competitors that we had in 2021. Um, another competitor specifically, she wanted to get back to maintenance as quickly as possible. And so we took much larger jumps and she was okay with the component of adding more body fat post-show than, you know, potentially other ones of taking a more methodical approach within the reverse diet. And that's okay when you do take those more large jumps, you have to be very accurate within your food because the, um, gosh, the, the negative component of overconsuming becomes stronger, if you will. So if, if we're already taking a big jump, we're going to be accumulating body fat regardless because of the jump. But if you are over-consuming past that already large jump, now you can kind of see the severity in that rather than taking the, um, more methodical approach and having, you know, some slips here and there. Um, and that's one way to go about it. And she was able to get her cycle back a little bit faster. She had more body fat, but that was what she wanted specifically. And then we have the more methodical eight week, 10 week approach of of slowly progressing calories up where that's going to be the majority of our, our client base that utilizes that approach as a whole. And, and the main thing is that, um, the rate in which we're in or decreasing cardio, increasing food is going to be dependent on the individual and where they're at from a mental headspace perspective. Um, I I am very vocal with every client in the sense of how are you talking to yourself? What are you, you know, how are you speaking to yourself in a positive or negative nature? Um, how are you speaking to yourself within your actions? All those different things are painfully important. Um, because you like I said, you spent sixteen to twenty plus weeks being in your own zone and now you're in a completely different arena, if you will, and you've got to keep the, the positive self-speech up, not in a way that you are um, speaking to yourself of like letting things slide of like, it's okay, you can, you can make <laughs> these mistakes. That's not what I'm speaking to. More so um, being disciplined with yourself and being stern when it's necessary, but putting yourself in a position where you are having um, positive self-talk.
1: Yeah. And like we talked about in the last episode of that goes into what I talked about of not buying smaller clothes during prep. So as I gain weight, I'm not putting I'm not purposely putting myself in a negative headspace because I know that affects me. Like I said, no one likes it when clothes are too snug on them. Um, It's also something in regards to uh, knowing what that looks like as those lines fade and recognizing that you've possibly especially if you're a first-time competitor never gotten to that leanness before and so seeing yourself reverse from that is very mentally taxing and the more open you can be with your coach the more open you can be with yourself and not just try to fit this mold and truly making it personalized the better it's going to be because those are three examples all three of those examples were successful examples but it was needed for a different person based on the truth that that client told Alex now for the clients that don't tell you the truth how does their reverse go?
2: Run into some hurdles for sure I, I think that uh, the the only time that we have poor reverse diets here with physique development truthfully is when the honesty is just not there or the client feels embarrassed because they've had a scenario in which they've slipped up and they don't want to let in, in this scenario, let me down with my specific clients. And so that's another thing for potentially the coaches who are listening, be very um, forthcoming of like, this is not something that you're going to um, let me, as, as much as I want to see you succeed, we still got to understand the data and make the adjustments that are necessary. And I think that one thing we've brought up on one of the podcasts, I think, is that um, with a first-time competitor, understand that this is your first go around and, and and as adults we run into situations where we don't give ourselves the grace that we would give a five-year-old in which they are learning to play baseball or basketball or what have you, where you're learning this brand-new sport, but you're an adult, so you immediately think that you should know things and, and be 100% within these different factors, that you should not be a, a newbie within things. And, and the reality is, is that as we get into adulthood, there are so many new experiences that we're going to have. And so as a competitor, give yourself the, the patience that you would give another individual who's just starting something out, um, and be vocal with questions. You're not expected to know absolutely everything. That would be preposterous to expect you to know every single thing of of something that you've never done before. Uh, So keep that in mind as well.
1: Yeah, and one thing I want to talk about on my personal uh, post-show experience is, and I've expressed this, a lot of my preps have been very hard, a very large amount of cardio and a very low amount of food. And so within that, that's why I've had to be so diligent within the reverse is I've understood how how much of a vulnerable spot my body is in, and I know I need to continue showing up for myself. So that's another... aspect of your health, of showing up for yourself, completing um, promises that you've made for yourself and knowing what's in the best interest of your health. And within that, it's something that I want to speak on this, especially for first-time competitors that might not know how to shut this out. Do not listen to people that are not in the sport. I will say this because there's a lot of times where maybe, and it, it very much so could be someone that does not mean ill on you but they just don't understand the sport of saying, you're still so lean, just eat a hamburger or you're still so small. Come and eat this. Your show is over. Just come and do this with us. Or you look fine. Let's go and do this. You really have to get in touch with what you want to accomplish, what you're, the plan you and your coach have. And if you choose to be more flexible with your reverse, then recognize what that circumstance is going to look like. We've talked about it multiple times. We have a whole podcast episode on F- Effort versus expectations. And if you are not fully putting in the effort to get to the point that you've seen other people get to within the reverse because you've chosen to be more flexible, or like the example within Alex's client, you chose to make larger jumps within food, you have to be okay with what that response is from your body. Um, But it is something that I know that the voices outside can be very loud, um, whether it's friends, family, significant other. And like Alex was talking for post his prep of having that support of Someone else is so important. And sometimes that support system might just be yourself. And that sucks when that's the case. But you have to ride hard for yourself if it's just you. And if you do have someone else, speak to them, lean into them, let them know what you need from them. It's something of I can say to Alex, hey, I would really like if I can stay in routine and we don't travel within this time frame if possible. So I feel the most set up for success. Now, that wasn't the case after my last prep, we traveled for like three weeks straight directly after my prep. And that would have been so easy for me to be like, eh, my prep was hard. It was through COVID. I just deserve to relax. Um, but it was something where I knew how I needed to show up. So being realistic with what you need as well as who understands the sport is going to be so, so important as you reverse to not let that um, that self-discipline, be less flexed just because you're out of prep, so to speak. Uh, so I did want to talk about a few other things within how to deal with and gaining weight. And one thing that's really helped for me is knowing that I can't diet forever. There's been times that I've dieted past where I should have in the past, and it took a lot of time to recover hormonally and mentally. And I don't want to get into that spot again. And so post show, some people might try to negate completely weight gain. They never wanna see the scale go up because they love the way they look. And sometimes you might see the scale go up, but you feel like you look better because now your glycogen stores are filled out in X, Y, and Z. But we've seen competitors like not eat the allotted food because they're afraid to gain weight. And again, knowing it's hard to gain weight, But these next few tips are going to be helpful for you. So one is knowing that I can't diet forever. And part of that comes from I've been through it where I've dieted too long and seen the negative effect. So part of it, I had to go through it. Um, The other effect, the other thing is knowing the long term effects of dieting. So I now understand the hormonal impact dieting has on your body. It down regulates basically everything internally. If we look at a real life example, and we think about things of if someone is truly Um, in a place where they do not have the food intake that they need, their body starts shutting down the processes that aren't necessary so it puts you in a place like women losing their cycle that's because your body understands it cannot support another human life it's still trying to support you so these processes down regulate to put you into this place that your body can keep going and so understanding those effects and what that looks like is going to be huge for your understanding of knowing that there needs to be weight put back on and the huge, huge thing for me is knowing my quality of life change. I love bodybuilding. I do, for sure. But I understand there's a time and place for it. There is a place where prep is the, the right thing to do and dieting is the right thing to do and it's cool to get freaky lean and all of that. But I make a list of the negative things that I experience while dieting. So when I'm reversing and I'm in this spot where I'm like, I don't want to gain weight, or I want to stay lean, or I don't like how my body is looking, whatever those voices might be saying to you, I go back to that list. And I'm like, oh, crap, I don't want to go back to there of having a lower libido that affects my quality and my daily life and my relationship, having low energy that affects my social life, again, my relationship, my job, um, having, um, just being lean or my clothes not fitting me that's going to affect me um, having to have the regimen in place when your food is low and if you've dieted before or prepped before you know it it takes so much more preparation you can't just grab a quick snack or track something as you go as you could do with a lot more food in place and as I do do in my improvement season and so I get a lot of flexibility back I get a lot of social aspects back so looking at the trade-offs looking at what you get and the positives of not being in a dieting phase have been so, so helpful for me to not always want and lust after a dieting phase when I'm out of it. I'm able to see what the other benefits are moving forward. Um, And then also being able to focus on a few other things like focusing on how much I enjoy training and being able to push myself in training and see other PRs and being able to focus more on business and life gains. Again, switching that mentality of not just focusing on your body not doing body checks every time you walk past a mirror um or whatever that may be of focusing on hey what's in front of me instead of what's behind me do you guys have anything to add on there as far as some tips or things that were helpful for you in regards to um or for clients in regards to that mentality as you do gain weight
2: i can add to it in the sense that for the dieting forever so as i believe it in that you had talked about um kind of fibbing a little bit within the food that you're intaking mm-hmm. almost. And so I, I've run into this a couple of times uh, over the last eight years. And so with like, if you are going to bend the truth of not eating all of your food and then you you report on your tracker that you are eating all your food and your weights, you're staying so lean and, and it's like, well, now I've got you at 400 carbs, but for some reason your weight continues to stay the same. You're only hurting yourself in that context because then at that point, my understanding is that you are excessively into a a surplus, but at the same time, you, somehow your body composition is not trending in that fashion. Thus, when we do get into the next dieting phase, now we're in a little bit of trouble because I'm tailoring it to the point of, well, you've been so responsive at 400 carbs for this example. And now we're still not seeing the results. So now we're creating friction within that new prep that didn't need to be there if we were just honest with what we were actually taking in. And so um, just you know, being honest with obviously your reporting, the, your coach is not going to be able to read your mind, of, of and he's not he or she is not with you from a day-to-day perspective, obviously. So what you report is what we know, and, and you have to be honest in those scenarios.
1: And what's the inverse of that of someone lying on their tracker and overeating um, and seeing that weight gain?
2: the same thing i think that as like for myself i can tell pretty quickly at this mm-hmm. point because i am looking at photos a large number of hours per week for years on uh, you know years at this point so in that as as well you're going to be able to tell quite abundantly um and I think that that's another thing within just feeling a little bit of of embarrassment potentially having a better communication with your coach having a more open you know communication and honesty is going to be important. Um, so I think that it comes from both sides within the coaches. Um, one thing that I really make a point of is that like I have seen other coaches be extremely rude and, and mean in the scenario of like overconsumption or doing something improperly. I think that the biggest thing is that. The mistake was already made. There's no reason to to harp on it a, a whole lot. It's a matter of creating a plan that's going to push you forward, um, you know, into the next week and, and not having the the recurrence of the the issue. It's not a, a matter of, of beating you down because you made the mistake. Uh, it's more of how can we construct things better for you specifically to never have that happen again or, or to limit the possibility of that happening again because no one's going to be perfect. There's going to be slip-ups at, at some point and, and we've just got to navigate properly. Um, and so, yeah, same thing.
1: Yeah, Austin, I do you have any tips on things that um, were helpful for you or for clients as they gained weight for that mentality shift?
0: Yeah, focusing a lot on training, like we mentioned earlier, um, you know, obviously everything you guys said and then from the training aspect of things, right, shifting gears, focusing on performance, focusing on recovery, focusing on things that you maybe wanted to improve upon during your prep, but you didn't quite have the bandwidth or energy to do so, Um a lot of those things, right? And I think, you know, I wanted to mention that about training because that's something I've seen with clients and something I've seen with myself, kind of making that whole process a bit easier. Um, but I think I, I think the communication aspects of all of this is so crucial and who you're around. And like Sue was alluding to, from the sense of, hey, you're done, do this. Hey, you're so lean still, do this. And it's the same type of stuff you have to deal with obviously throughout prep, throughout a dieting phase, you know, with people not quite understanding the sport or quite understanding the process you're going through, but continuing to, you know, show up with compassion for yourself and also empathy and compassion for others in the sense of they don't understand this and it's up to you 100% complete self-ownership to catch them up to speed and to help them understand, right? Because they're not just going to understand magically, right? And trust me, like I'm speaking on behalf of like my grandparents and my parents and my aunts and uncles and like people that, and like some friends, you know, like people who truly care about you and like want to have fun and like want to enjoy life. And maybe want to return back to some sort of semblance of normal where you're, you know, have more of a personality and like do all the things, you know, that activities you may have once done with them, you have to help them understand something that they don't understand. Right. And and that's never gonna change. And that's something that you have to take complete self-ownership of. And you cannot just expect them to get it. Right. So I just wanted to highlight that again of you know, having, you know, this this goal also goes for your partner. If you're in a relationship like, if your partner is not from this world, man, you have some explaining to do. And the sooner you do it, the, s- the easier it is, right? So I say at the onset of prep beginning, you lay out, hey, about this length of time away from the competition, I'm gonna lose a lot of libido. I'm gonna lose a lot of energy. I'm gonna lose my, uh, you know, some of my sense of humor. I'm not gonna talk quite as much. We're not going to be able to go out for those more flexible date nights. These things are going to happen, right? And then post-show, this still continues. It does get better. And the better I'm doing at it, the sooner and more quickly I'm recovering, the sooner I can return back to a semblance of normalcy. But you need to share that stuff. And the sooner or the earlier you share it, the more successful all of it's going to be. And the better headspace you're going to be throughout the entire process and the better, you, the more uh, in tune and and understanding your partner or family members are going to be, because you're sharing what's going to happen. Right? It, you'd much rather you put you put yourself in that situation. I'll just finish with that. Put yourself in that situation. You know, your partner's going through something that you don't understand at all, and you're like, dude, just kind of update me at any point on what the hell's happening. You know, and what's going to happen? how long am I in this? How long are we in this? You know, because (laughs) the more you share, the better. And you would expect the same from your partner. So help them out and go ahead and share as much as you can.
1: Yeah, that is absolutely huge. And that's a big mistake I made when I first got into competing is I just expected everyone to be up to date. Um, And I felt like I didn't have support when I didn't give them the opportunity to support me uh, because I didn't explain myself at all. So within that, uh, the last few things we'll touch on here, uh, just because I know that they're common questions, especially for first time competitors, is what rate of weight gain should I have and how long should my improvement season last?
2: The rate of weight gain is going to be very dependent on the individual i I wouldn't get too caught up in um, like having a a specific rate i know that from a a research standpoint and austin or either of you can rattle this off the top of your head you certainly can um but i i know that for myself when i'm working with clients through this reverse diet it's going to be very dependent per person i think obviously seeing like a three to four pound jump in a single in a singular week is going to be um, a little bit of a, a red flag but I, I don't think getting caught up in the aspect of like, well, I was supposed to gain 0.5 pounds this week, and I gained 0.75. Holy shit, I'm go, I'm way overweight. <laughs> like, I, I think that getting too caught up in the 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 strategy of it or the numbers aspect is is more of a detriment than it is a, a benefit. Because especially when when Austin and I first started and, and Stu first started uh, coaching. I was very textbook. I was like, okay, this is exactly how much we need to be to lose one pound per week. You need to lose a pound per week. And if we're not doing that, then we need to get more aggressive. And we need to change these different things. And and it's like, well, this is what the textbook is telling me. And the reality is, is that that's going to work for some or potentially even a majority, but you may not fall into the majority. And I don't want you to feel bad because you don't fall into that majority. It's not that you've done anything wrong. It's just the simple nature of you're a human being and there's a billion, billions upon billions of you. And, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be different. So, um, the rate of weight gain is going to be dependent on the individual. The improvement season is going to be as long as you need to improve. Um, and depending on how you want to compete the following year, are you okay with, making some small adjustments and and continuing to compete on the regional stage. Do you feel like you can make greater jumps and get on the national stage depending on what the feedback was and those different factors? I think that you have to understand what you want to get out of the sport as a whole Mm -hmm. and navigate in that fashion. If you're wanting to become a a professional, um, uh, within the sport, you've got to work in an action to do that. I, I don't think that if your goal is to be, um, A a professional and you've got a lot of of time and and, uh, tissue that needs to be added, well, take that time to to get very, very close to that and then get on stage. It's not going to benefit you to compete year after year. Now, Austin is an outlier to this where um, Mm -hmm. within his competing career, he was competing very frequently, not what I would suggest for a client now, but it panned out well for him as he won many overalls, attained his pro card uh, in a very rapid fashion relative to what you would see within our competitors now and and on a more normal basis, if you will. Um, So I think that the improvement season is going to be, as long as needed, I would encourage at base minimum that for females specifically um, that you were able to regain your cycle and sustain that cycle for potentially at least half of how long that you lost it so let's say that you lost it for four months if you can no not even that because I would the minimum I would say before you even get into a mini cut would be three successful cycles in a row before you even thought about dieting again and that's one big thing within like a large weight gain following the show Mm -hmm. that it's going to make things even more challenging because you're you're still trying to regain your cycle and trying to lose body fat at that time after having gained that quickly very not fun experience and and probably not very successful either so um yeah
1: yeah and it's something that we keep harping that it's more important for women in some of these asp- aspects and I kind of want to lay that out a little bit clearer Within women, and many bodybuilding coaches have said this over the years of like men are easy compared to women. We have this beautiful ability to create human life, which is awesome. But within that, we have a lot of things going on internally that men do not have. And our bodies are a lot more complex in that regard. And about any coach that I've talked to definitely agrees with that. So while we could sit here and talk about how fair it is or it isn't, it's the fact of the matter. And so you have to play the game to what you were dealt. We were dealt to be females, if that's what how you identify yourself. And that is kind of how you have to play things and what you have to pay attention to. Because you're saying it's not fair isn't going to change literally anything. So you just need to realize that your body is a little bit more complex. It's going to need a little bit of extra love and care to be able to see the progress move forward. Um, so... I I think that that was a a great amount of information, especially if we're targeting first-time competitors and being able to understand a little bit of what that post-show looks like mentally as well as physically and what you should expect going into your improvement season. Uh, But the last thing I want to say on that is uh, oftentimes leaving a show, people have this huge fire. They're, They're ready to make the improvements, to get on stage the next time and be able to do better than they've ever done and you're, you're it's lit. The fire is freaking lit. The second you get off the stage. Uh what does that normally look like as you go into a reverse and what would you give as recommendation as far as seeing that time and time again Alex?
2: Um I generally express to to clients to savor that fire uh because more often than not if and and, and the thing is is that if if someone gets up there they do well or they don't do well they're generally going to come out with that fire that you're speaking to. Mm-hmm. And what I really drive home is that if we can have 12 months, 14 months of really great training, that is going to be so much more beneficial to us than you having four weeks of great training following the show where you've just gone balls to the wall because you have this fire and immediate response to doing well or not doing well to the show. And then you have this lackluster approach because you're just so burnt out potentially following that. And, and you're not carrying that fire. I, I think that, um, Let's say that the the client does not do well. I I make a big point to to savor that moment and, and to soak that in because it's a very um, influential and, and helpful piece to come back to. Uh, coming back to that that feeling of of um, having lost and, and coming up short of your goal is very helpful throughout the improvement season. I, I find that of of uh, great benefit for the individuals who like the people who are able to actually savor that and and. and um, make sure that they remember that nasty taste in their mouth and, and being able to hold on to that. Those are the ones that make the big jumps, um, from, from show to show or season to season. Uh, so I think that, you know, getting your ass kicked sometimes is a very beneficial piece for most, (laughs) including myself, um, and, and being able to, to move forward from that and, and have the adversity, have the failures and be able to, to push forward. So, um, yeah,
1: yeah. I was going to do a little bit of fun, rapid Q&A post-show, but I realized that the first question I was going to ask was like, favorite post-show treat? And I was like, I've never brought a treat (laughs) (laughs) post-show. I've never once brought something for a post-show. And two of my shows ran way too late, and we ended up not going out to eat alex on his last show fell asleep before the pizza got there because it took like 17 hours to get there they got lost the pizza was cold um so i guess i don't have any fun q a's unless you guys do
0: no i think we can there'll be a part where we do rapid stuff i think on this subject or these subjects and i think we can we'll add something to those (laughs) yeah Maybe a, an accumulation of
2: questions from these four episodes would probably be good to dig into in a singular, singular episode if we have them.
1: Yeah, listener's choice. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in these past three, now four episodes of the series. It's something that we're extremely passionate about in regards to being able to help competitors in general, but within first-time competitors, it's just such a unique experience. And like we said in the last episode, it's so much information we just wish we knew moving forward um, within our competitive careers. And we've learned and we've experienced it and we've been able to pass it on to other competitors that have competed with physique development. And now we get to pass it on to you. So hopefully this allows you to make smarter decisions to keep your health in the forefront, to be a little bit more patient, as well as giving yourself some more grace here, as well as letting that fire kind of ruminate in in your core a little bit longer. Let that heat you up, be a little bit more of a dull fire than a roaring fire, um, just to be able to continue to see that progress forward. It's something that we are very passionate about within physique development. And something else I'll mention here is that we do have these beautiful Banties that were created by Logan Fox, who is phenomenal. And, you know, we might have something coming out with him again soon. Uh, but the Banties are great to wear backstage. There's a reel on my Instagram page going over the sizing for them. And the because they're unisex, the medium is a great backstage shirt to wear. But it's also great as you gain weight, because they are unisex and oversized, you can still wear it, still fit into it, still feel great in it. It can be your leg day training shirt or just, you know, a fashion piece in your closet. And since we we love you guys so much as the podcast listeners, we do want to give you a little bit of a discount. So if you go to the Physique Development website, the link will be in the show notes and you use the code PD pod, then you will get 10% off of the band tees. Um, If you bundle them, you already get a discount. So it'll just be for that um, band tee, but use PD pod and get 10% off of the band tees on our physique development website. And we'll see you if we answer your questions in a part five. But otherwise, it was a great four parts to get through.
0: See you guys. Hey guys, Austin here. Thank you again for listening into the episode means a lot. If you can, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave the podcast a five-star review. This does help us grow and be found by others. Also, just wanted to mention, if you guys are interested in free education based around training and nutrition, be sure to check out physiquedevelopment.com backslash free education, where you'll find free downloads, videos, articles, etc. No strings attached. Again, thank you. Chat soon.